Ezekiel chapter number 37, verses 1 through 4. Ezekiel 37, 1 through 4. Amen. If you'll pray for me Tuesday night, I will be preaching in Mexico on Tuesday night. Make a quick trip down there. And if you'll pray for me that the Lord will give me a word. We have a, a great opportunity opening up for our fellowship in the, in the country of Mexico. Uh, we're, deep, we're meeting, going to a, a, a missionary that's new to us. And uh, that's this week. And then in a couple of weeks, we have Brother Cañez, who's going to start a new work also in Mexico that's going to be with us. So if you'll pray for me Tuesday night, I'd really appreciate it. You can pray for me Monday and Wednesday too if you really want to. Ezekiel 37 and 1, if you found it, say praise the Lord. The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord. Amen. How many, how many think that's awesome? Wouldn't it be awesome to have the hand of the Lord and be carried away by the Spirit of the Lord? Amen. How many would like to experience something awesome like that? I set you up. I have to admit, I set you up. Look at the next. And set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones. I may not get to it, but I just want to tell you, that if you find yourself in a valley, it doesn't mean the devil did it. It doesn't mean that God's hand's not on you. It doesn't mean that God's forsaken you or turned his back on you. Amen. Aren't you thankful the hand of the Lord can be with you in the valley as well? Amen. He set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones and caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley. You're not alone if you're in a valley. And lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. I don't know, God. It doesn't look positive to me. If you're asking me, I'm not so sure. And he said unto me, prophesy upon these bones and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear ye the word of the Lord. O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. I've come to preach to anybody that feels like they're in a valley. Anybody that feels like they're dry. I want to preach for a little while this morning. Surviving dry valleys. Surviving dry valleys. Why don't you look at somebody? Why don't you tell somebody close to you that, you, that I'm going to survive my valley? I'm going to survive my dry valley. It's not, I'm not going to die in my valley. God, I thank you for this beautiful congregation today, these wonderful people that have gathered together. 
under the sound of my voice to hear your word. Lord, you have a, pur a purpose and a plan for this service. You have something that you want to do in this place. Anoint me to preach. Anoint ears to hear. Pour out your spirit. Confirm your word with signs following. Let there be deliverance. Let there be healing. Let there be miracles, signs, and wonders. Lord, let there be a refreshing and renewing of the Holy Ghost that comes into this place today. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we pray. And God will give you the glory and will give you honor for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Give the Lord a good hand clap of praise as you're being seated in the presence of the Lord today. The rocks are granite. And piles of debris and sediment left over by ancient glaciers dot the bedrock landscape with loose gravel all over the ground. In this place, there are no living animals. There are no insects, no birds, no worms. Scientists have found only a very few microbes living deep inside some of the rocks. It is known as the least alive place on earth. Not only is it the least alive place on earth, but scientists also say that it is the driest place on earth. According to the scientists, they say that this particular place has not seen rain for two million years. It's not Death Valley, it's not the Sahara Desert. They are known as the dry valleys of Antarctica. 1,850 square miles of mountainous desert on the southern continent of Antarctica. The unique conditions of the dry valleys are caused by extremely low temperatures. They range from a high of 7 degrees to colder than negative 22 degrees. The low temperatures are coupled by what are called catabatic winds caused by cold, dense air that's pulled down by the force of gravity through these mountain valleys, reaching speeds of over 200 miles an hour, evaporating all water, ice, and snow that might find its way into this Antarctic desert. The region is the world's most extreme desert and the most extreme environment on the earth. Researchers use it to study what an expedition to Mars might be like. In these dry valleys, observers have made some amazing discoveries. Most interestingly to me, 40 miles from the sea, and at altitudes of up to 5,000 feet above sea level, researchers have found mummified seals as well as a few mummified penguins. These corpses 
dotting this barren desert, a cold, dry desert valley. These corpses have been carbon dated and found to be often hundreds of years old. The oldest one being dated at 2,600 years ago. The lack of scavengers and bacteria and insects preserve the carcasses intact. Though they have been dead often for hundreds of years, they look as if they just died within the last few days. The cold winds, the extreme dryness quickly leads to mummification. An animal that has been dead for hundreds of years looks like it's a fresh death. Outwardly, it appears often as if the seals could wake up and be alive in a second, but inwardly they've been dead for a long time. Because of the harsh conditions, no one knows for sure exactly why these seals and penguins have ended up in the middle of the dry valleys in such a horribly inhospitable conditions. After what must have been a dreadful journey to get there, it's thought that they simply, whether in a storm or for whatever reason, take a wrong turn and instead of going towards the water, for their seasonal migration, they for some reason unknowingly head inland and find themselves in this cold, dry, desert valley. Studies of their bodies show a painful and sad death for these creatures. Empty stomachs. Low amounts of blubber on the seals point to long periods of hunger. Evidence of bleeding and wounds point out how painful and treacherous their journeys had been, hoping that just over the next little ridge may be the sea, only to find stretching in front of them hundreds of miles of the coldest, deadest, driest valleys in the world. One wrong move, simply going the wrong direction and refusing to turn around. And so it is that one wrong decision can derail somebody's eternal soul. There is a man in the scripture who is mentioned only three times in the Bible. He was a worker on the ministry team of the Apostle Paul. The Bible says in Philemon, verse 23 and verse 24, There salute the Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus. Marcus, Aristarchus, Demas, Lucas, my fellow laborers. From a prison, Paul writes and asked his friend Philemon to say hello to this list of workers. Paul called them fellow laborers, fellow ministers. He points out this man 
by the name of Demas. Demas, a fellow laborer, a Christian, a man that loved God. The Bible says in Colossians 4 and 14 that while Paul was in a prison in Rome, Demas was with him. And Demas sent a greeting to the church at Colossus. The Bible says in Colossians 4 and 14, Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. This man, this Christian, this laborer in the kingdom of God had sent his love and greetings towards the church. But somehow this man, who for some time have served God, made a wrong turn towards a dry valley in life. Paul, in the final mention of this man named Demas, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, says, do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. Timothy, come to me quickly. Paul is about to be killed. He's about to be executed in Rome. And he says, Timothy, come quickly to me. I'm by myself, for Demas hath forsaken me. Demas was with me all this time, working with me in the kingdom of God. But now, at the time that I needed him the most, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. And he's departed unto Thessalonica. The New Living Translation says it this way, Demas loves the things of this life. He loves the things of this life. Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Can I tell you this morning, you can't have it both ways. You can't be a friend of the world and a friend of God at the same time. You can't be godly and worldly. James chapter 4 and verse number 4. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship of the world is enmity against God. To be a friend of worldliness. This doesn't mean you can't have friends at work and friends at school, but it means to be a friend of worldliness, to be carnal, to be sinful. He said you can't be a friend with the world because if you're a friend with the world, you're an enemy of God. Amen. You have to say amen, it's all right. It's still the truth. Then it says, whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Demas, you can't love the world and love God at the same time. You can't be a friend of God and a friend of sin at the same time. My guess, my guess is that when Demas first had his temptations to forsake Paul, when it first entered into his mind, maybe I should go. I don't think I really want to be here. I don't think I really want to live for God anymore. When it was first just the first seed thought in his mind, he pushed it away and thought there's no, there's no reason to think that way. But somehow, gradually, his heart began to gravitate towards the things of this world. He took one wrong step towards a dry valley and he never recovered for the rest of his life. 
Amen. In the Bible, we read of a rich man who kept all of the law. He obeyed the scriptures. He kept the commandments, but he was too connected to the things of this world. And when he came to Jesus, he said, Master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, you got to keep the law and you got to keep the commandments. He said, I've done that for my entire life. I've always been a, I've always been a good person. I've always obeyed the word. And then Jesus, the Bible said in Mark 10, 21, Jesus beholding him, loved him. Can I tell you that if a man of God tells you what you need to hear and not what you want to hear, He's not your enemy. Jesus loved him and said unto him, one thing thou lackest. Only one thing, only one thing is keeping you from where you need to be. Go your way, sell whatever you have, give to the poor, and you shall have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross and follow me. It was not a hundred things that he lacked. It was not 50 things that he lacked. It was not 10 things that he lacked. It was only one thing. He was so connected to the things of this world that he couldn't let it go. He had one thing that led him to a dry valley and there's no indication that he ever recovered. And 2,000 years later, he's a casualty in the dry valley of the spirit. Can I preach to you a little while this morning? Maybe you can help me preach a little bit. I've been doing this for a long time. This is my 35th year. This year is my 35th year in ministry. I've been pastoring for 25 years. Next year will be my 20th year at Bethlehem Church as the pastor. My point is I didn't start yesterday. I preach to hundreds of churches and thousands of people and I know what I'm feeling in my spirit and I know what I feel in the Holy Ghost today. I'm preaching to some people that have made a wrong turn towards a dry valley. Amen. Can I just preach to you today? I'm not only preaching to the people that are here in the sanctuary. I'm preaching to people that maybe they're out in the vestibule listening on the speaker out there. Maybe they're in their car listening to live. Maybe they're at home or maybe they'll be listening at some point on some kind of media. But I know what I feel in the Holy Ghost. I'm preaching to some people that have made a wrong turn towards a dry valley in life. And I'm trying my best that before it's too late and before you come a casualty, become a casualty in a dry valley that somehow, some way, I can get you to turn around and go back to the altar one more time. I know what I'm feeling in the Holy Ghost. And I know that maybe you don't want to shake your hand and maybe you don't want to wave your hand and say amen. But I know I'm preaching to somebody in this room that if the truth be told, you've made a decision and you found yourself in a dry valley with God. Back a few weeks ago, I was preaching. I was preaching in Louisiana. It's been three or four weeks ago. And... Uh, I, I, was, I was preaching for Brother Cody Mayo in Aimwell on a Wednesday night. And I was preaching the district conference in, uh, in Ala, Louisiana on Friday night and Saturday morning. 
and then left Saturday morning and drove to Starkville to dedicate their building. I had a busy weekend. But on that Thursday, I always hang out with Brother Poole. You know Brother Poole. He's been here many times, one of my dearest friends. He, uh, he's the one that when my wife and I, my wife and I lost, we couldn't have children. 11 years we were married, couldn't have children. I was preaching his conference, and he, at the end of my, at the end of my message, he called my wife up. And if, and if you know my wife, she doesn't like that. And, uh, and so he had to be feeling the Holy Ghost because he's afraid of her like all the rest of the people are. And uh, he called her up. And he prayed for her and said the Lord was going to heal her body and she was going to give birth to a child. And 40 weeks later, my oldest daughter, Ellie, was born. Amen. I've, I've, I've preached his conference every year that he's had it. He had to cancel a couple times for COVID. I've preached it every year for over 20 years. Four years after Ellie was born, he called me and he said, he said Brother V, I was praying for you today. And I feel like it's time for you all to have another baby. So I prayed for your wife. And, then, and then, then Kate was born on his birthday. And so when Kate was born, I called him and said, Brother Poole, it's a girl, and don't pray for me anymore. I'm almost 40. Can't take it anymore. But I always hang out with Brother Poole. Well, Brother Poole has some land, and he loves to hunt. And he's, he's got deer stands, and he's got some good deer on his land. And no, you can't get invited because I hadn't been invited to deer hunt yet. But, uh, but he has hogs, wild hogs that have taken over his property. And so he bought him a nice, expensive infrared scope. And, uh, and so he told, he told Brother Mayo, he said, Brother Mayo, Brother V's preaching for you Wednesday night. He said, but I put corn out. And if I text him and say the hogs are there, you got to let him go. And so I preached, and we went to the Mexican restaurant, and we were eating, and right as we were finishing up, we get a text, and the text said, the hogs are here, come on. So I said, Brother Mayo, we got to go. So, man, we speed down those old curvy country roads. I get out there, and I kill me a little, a little boar hog. And, uh, and the next night, we are, we are hanging out, and, uh, and, and it doesn't look like the hogs are coming in. And so he, we, I go to bed, and right as I'm getting ready to get in bed, he texts me. He said, my camera just went off, the hogs are here. So I get, I, get, I get dressed, I go out there, man, I got chigger bites all over my ankles from that night. That's why the Lord won't let me forget it. I go out there, and there's this massive boar hog out there, and I shoot that joker. He's about 280 pounds, and, uh, and, and we walk up to him. I, I shot him. Now, I'm not bragging, but <laughs> this is for the sake of anybody that might want to date any of my daughters, I dropped that big old joker in his tracks. Just so you know. All right? No, not threatening anybody, but I dropped that, that hog in his tracks and I walk up to him and I'm like, man, that is a big old hog. And man, they are mean. And so Brother Poole said, well, just go up there and nudge him with the rifle and make sure he's dead. I said, you go nudge him with the rifle. <laughs> he said, well, just, just, go, just go poke at him. I said, you go poke at him. So I stood about five yards away. I reloaded that 30 six, and I planted another one in him. 
just to make, because I didn't want to walk up to him and him just wake up, you know. I, I, there's a guy in our church that thought he had killed a deer and walked up to him and found out that deer wasn't dead, ended up wrestling with him. He said that deer beat him like 10 Bruce Lees. I'm like, I'm not walking up to that thing. No, I'm not. Uh-uh. And so I finished him off. I made sure I was finishing him off before I got up there. But can you imagine what it was like for these researchers going through these dry valleys? And they see a seal that's laying in this valley. And the seal looks like it could just wake up at any second. I wonder if they walked up and poked it. It looked like it should have just opened its eyes and everything would be fine. But it had been there hundreds of years because it took one wrong turn and outwardly everything looked okay. But in truth, it had been dead for a long time. May I tell you today that I'm preaching to somebody that I don't want to come upon you someday and find out that really you've been spiritually dead for a long time. I'm preaching to somebody that maybe you find yourself in a dry valley today. And you don't even really know how you got there. Maybe it was in a storm that came in your life. And through the blinding of the storm, you took a wrong turn. And you found yourself in a place that you don't know how to get out of. And there's no life there. And there's no water there. And it's a cold, dry, dark place. And you don't know how to get out. I've come to tell you today. I've come to prophesy to somebody today. That the fact that you're listening to this message means that you have not gone too far. It may have taken you a long time to get where you are, but one prayer of repentance and one interaction with the Holy Ghost can completely turn your life around and transport you back where you belong. You are not a lost cause. You are not a lost cause. Can I preach to somebody and can I tell you that the devil's a terrible taskmaster. The devil is a cruel, cruel individual. There's no one that he loves and there's no one that he cares for and there's nobody that the devil's merciful to. Can I tell you the devil has mercy on no marriage and no mother and no father and no child. The devil has no friends and no compassion and he'll he'll drive you into a valley and then he'll leave you there to dry out and die with no remorse but can I tell you that God's not that way and the fact that you're listening to this message right now is proof that you've not gone so far that God can't turn you around you gotta believe today I'm trying my best to reach somebody and tell you that all the lies that the devil's told you, that you'll never get it back, that you'll never be right, that you'll never be able to be joyful and have peace. I'll tell you, I know how the devil works. He'll drive you into a dry valley and he'll exact pain out of your life. He'll make you give up hope and think you'll never be able to have joy and peace again. There's some of you that you've been in the valley so long that you think that that's just the way it's going to be and you'll never, ever be able to get it back. But I've come to tell you that the devil is a... 
Come on, say it with me. The devil is a liar. You can be restored. You can be renewed. You can have peace. You can have joy. It's not too late for your ministry. It's not too late for your joy. I wish I had somebody to help me preach right now. I'm preaching to somebody that's in a cold, dry valley. lift your hands all over this place I rebuke hopelessness right now I know how the devil works I know how the devil works he'll make you give up hope right while I'm preaching this message he'll make you think it's not for you he's preaching to somebody else you've done too much you've gone too far it's been too long you're too gone you're too far gone I've come to tell you the devil's lying to you right now you're not too far gone and you're not too messed up the very fact that you're here this morning tells me that God has a restoration plan for your life Oh, I wish somebody would help me. I wish somebody would praise God if you believe what I'm preaching right now. Hey, I feel the Holy Ghost here. Hey, I've come to preach to somebody that's in a dry valley. Let me, let me, let me preach it this way for a minute. Let me preach it this way. Is there anybody in this place that you were in that dry valley and you thought it was over for you and you thought you could never get back and you thought you'd never have joy again and you thought you'd never have peace in your life and you thought you'd never find God again only to realize that the devil was lying to you the whole time. If that's you, would you stand and wave your hand and say, this preacher's telling you the truth. You can't get out of the dry valley. My God, I feel something here. Right by standing, you're giving a testimony right now that what that preacher's telling you is right. You don't have to die in your dry valley. Oh, go ahead and worship the Lord for a minute. We got to create an atmosphere of hope in this place. Somebody that's bound needs to see somebody that used to be bound praising God so they know that can be me. Oh, Jesus. Can I tell you something else the devil? Can I tell you something else the devil says? That when when a preacher is preaching like this and the Spirit of the Lord is touching your heart, the devil will try to make you think, these church people don't care about me. These these church people, they've not been where I've been. They don't care about me. The devil tries to make you think that everybody's staring at you, everybody's looking at you. Nobody in this house is looking at you. But the devil make you think they they they're talk, they're thinking about me. They know how they think I'm they, they think that that preacher's preaching to me. Well, let me just go ahead and settle that I'm preaching to everybody. Because every one of us are only one step away. We're all just one wrong turn away. Paul told the church one day, he starts preaching about sins. He starts preaching about stuff. And then he realizes that the church is thinking, that's right, preacher, preach to them. Get them. You preach to those adulterers. You preach to those addicts. You preach to those backs. Get them, preacher. And then he stops and he says, and such were some 
of you. He wants everybody to remember, you're only one step away from your own dry valley. The church ought to be the most merciful place in the world. Somebody that's Holy Ghost, come on, you ought to help me preach right now. Somebody that's Holy Ghost filled ought to be the most merciful, gracious person in the whole world because we know that was me. Imagine. I mean, I, I'm not a seal. I've, I've occasionally sound and look like one, maybe, but I'm not one. Certainly not a Navy seal. I've never looked like one of them. Can you imagine a seal that's on the beach, getting ready for its natural migration north? The fog rolls in. And he thinks he's going towards the water. But he walks. Maybe all day. Maybe two or three days. Thinking the water's got to be here somewhere. And then the fog lifts. And when the fog clears, he finds himself in the deadest, driest, Desert in the world. Cold, dry, no water, disoriented. He doesn't know which way to go to get back. So he just keeps walking, or whatever seals do. We'll call it walking, dragging, waddling. I don't know what they do. Over here, over rocks. Before long, he's bleeding and wounded. There's no food. He's hungry. But he has no, nothing to do but just to go exist, exist, until finally he dies in that valley. Only to be walked upon years later by a researcher. Can I tell you what a terrible thing it would be for somebody to take a wrong turn out of this service today and years later realize that you've found yourself, you aimed your direction towards the driest place in the earth. The driest place on the earth is not the dry valleys of Antarctica and it's not Death Valley, and it's not the Sahara Desert. It's not the Gobi Desert. The driest place on earth is somebody that's distant from the Spirit of God. You don't have to die in your dry valley. In our text, the bodies laying in the valley of dry bones had been there long enough that all traces of moisture were gone. All signs of life were gone. The prophet of God said the valley's full of bones and they're very dry. There's no hope. But if God sends a man to preach to you, it means that God sees hope in your life. Let me say that again. If God sends a man to preach to you, it means that there is hope for your life. 
I don't care what the devil's told you, that you'll never be able to serve God. You'll never be able to live for God. You'll never be able to have peace. You'll never be an overcomer. I know how the devil whispers to you. You're going to be back on that stuff just in a little bit. This is just a season. Give yourself a few days, a few weeks. You'll be right back buying that same dope from me. Don't worry. I know you'll be back. I know how the devil works. You don't have to say amen, but I know how he works. But I've come to tell you that if God is sending a man to you to preach that you don't have to die in your valley, it means that God is planning on a resurrection happening at Bethlehem this morning. God's planning on life flowing out. God's planning on sending life out of this altar today. Woo, hallelujah. Oh, the Bible said the water came from the altar and it was water to swim in. I've come to tell you, you may be dry right now, but by the time this service is over, you may be swimming in heavenly water. Everything can change. Everything can change in one day. It can turn around. It can happen if God sent a man to you. It means you're not so far gone. And so he sends Ezekiel into the, pro, into the valley and he says in verse number three and verse number four of Ezekiel 37, are y'all all right? Can I preach a few minutes more? He said unto me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. That's a cop out. Ezekiel's just saying, God, I don't think so, but you're the only one that has the answer. Again, he said unto me, prophesy upon these bones and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Woo. Hallelujah. I've come to preach to somebody that maybe every other preacher has given up on you. Maybe your mom and dad have given up on you. Maybe your co-workers and your friends and your family and your schoolmates have said they'll never be able to turn into anything. They'll be that way their whole life. I've come to tell you they're a liar and the devil's a liar because God sent a preacher to you today. And God didn't send me here for no reason. He didn't send me here to waste time. He sent me here because he wants you to know that there's still life inside of you. Woo, I wish somebody'd praise God. I wish somebody that came in almost out of hope would raise your hand and say, God, thank you. Thank you for sending a man of God to preach to me. And he said unto me, prophesy upon these bones and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. If you're going to be saved, you got to allow a man of God to preach to you. You have to receive the word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Oh, God. Man, I thought I had a short sermon this morning. Man, was I ever wrong. But I'm preaching to somebody today. I'm preaching to somebody. And I'm preaching to somebody's dry bones. It makes no sense to preach to dry bones. It makes no sense to preach to bones in a dry valley that haven't lived in a long time. But God sent me here today not to preach to the whole, not to preach to the holy, not to preach to, to the righteous, but to preach to that somebody that feels like my life is over. My bones are so dry. I don't know if I can make it. You 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 can make it. The word of the Lord has come to your valley today. 
God has dropped a man of God in your valley to preach to your dry bones. Hear the word of the Lord. The word is life. The word is life. If God said it, every man was a liar. But God's word is true. If the devils tell you you'll never make it, but God says you will, you can just bank on it. You're going to make it. I wish somebody said, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. Because the word of God said I'm going to make it. Prophesy to the dry bones. Oh, ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Oh, ye in the dry valley this morning, hear the word of the Lord. Oh, ye that took a wrong turn in life and you found yourself in a situation you never dreamed you'd be in, hear the word of the Lord. Oh, ye that have taken a wrong turn towards sin, towards the world, hear the word of the Lord. James 1.21, wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity. Man, I gotta slow down. I say all these big words, they may accidentally come out like cussing. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness. Everybody say receive. receive. With meekness, the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Can I tell you, you got to receive the word. You got to say, God, this is my word and I take it. God, this is my message and I'm holding on to it this morning. Isn't it amazing how quick we are to believe the voice of the enemy? You're no good. Oh, man, I'm no good. You'll never make it. I'll never make it. There's no way I'll be able to save my kids. There's no way. The, the devil will tell you anything and you'll just buy it. But I've come to tell you, you need to believe the word of the Lord. You need to receive this message into your life today. Not because I'm preaching it. Amen. You all, if, if I thought that I was the only one that had a word from the Lord, we wouldn't have had six weeks with Brother Miller and another revival with Brother Johnson and, and Brother Drain coming in on Wednesday. I know it doesn't have to be me, but it's the word of the Lord, and I'm preaching to somebody in this place right now. You need to receive it and say, God, that man's preaching to me. I do, I do have hope. I can make it. My family can survive. I can get my life together. I don't have to be an addict. I don't have to be an alcoholic. I don't have to be a sinner. I don't have to be miserable. I don't have to be depressed all the time. I don't always have to feel this way. Some You need to receive the word of the Lord today. You ought to say amen. You ought to say amen to the word of God right now. Everybody in this place ought to say amen. You got to receive it. You got to receive the word. Whew, hallelujah. The New Living Translation of that verse says, So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word of God. The word God has planted in your heart. For it has the power to save your souls. Word. Hallelujah. Word. Praise God. Word. It's up to you if you receive what I'm preaching today. Amen. I've never understood people that got offended at preaching. Or they just brush it off and say, well, that's just that preacher preaching again. Or just ignore what's being preached. But if you receive it, the Bible says it has the power to save your soul. You're coming out of your dry valley. You hear me? 
If you receive this word and you apply it to your life, you are coming out of your dry valley. I wish I had somebody to believe that with me right now. You're coming out of it. You're not always going to be discouraged and depressed and down. You're not always going to be bound. You don't always have to live. Let me tell somebody, the condemnation from the devil is a lie from hell. Amen. When you repent, God restores you. When you get it right with God, God, you don't have to be condemned. Hallelujah. Can I preach a little bit longer? Hebrews 4 and 2, for unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Amen. Let me read it to you again. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them. Why didn't it profit them? Because God didn't want to save them? Because the devil was too big and bad? Why didn't the word profit them? Not being mixed with faith in them. It's up to you. Not up to me. It's not up to God. It's up to you. You're sitting in this place or you're watching online. Let me just tell you. It's not up to me, and it's not up to God. It's up to you. You got to mix this word with faith and say, I'm taking it. Amen. I was in a service one time. This was, uh, and I was single. I was dating a girl from Chicago, and she was a pastor's daughter, and he had a prophet come in and preach. He was the worst preacher I ever heard in my life. The most boring, man, he was the most boring. He, told, he admitted to me, he said, I can't preach. He said, but I got, I, got to, I got to talk long enough for the Holy Ghost to talk to me about people. And he's so boring. You know, you know the man I'm talking about. I was sitting in that service and my back was hurting so bad. I'd heard it somehow, I don't know how. And I was sitting there and I was hurting. And that preacher, he prophesied to somebody on another part of the church and he said he said somebody over there has back pain and God's going to heal it stand up if you have back pain he's pointing like I'm, I'm, on, I'm on this side of the church and he's pointing over here and somebody stands up and I'm like well I got back pain too so you know what I did I stood up and while he was praying for that guy over there, God healed my back pain over here. Because I refused to not mix that word with my faith. He said, well, I don't know if the preacher is preaching to me or not. It doesn't matter if I'm preaching to you or not or if I know I am. Your faith just reaches out and says, I'm taking that one too. I'm not dying in my dry valley. I'm not going to be a corpse in a dry valley. I refuse. I refuse to die this way. You ought to grab that word. You ought to let it. You ought to reach out for it right now and say, I don't care if he's preaching for me or not. I'm taking the word of God for my life. I got to hurry. Dear God, I got to hurry. Ezekiel 37, 9. Then he said unto me, prophesy unto the wind. Everybody say the wind. Then he said unto me, prophesy unto the wind. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind. Everybody say the wind. 
Thus saith the Lord God, come from the four winds. Everybody say wind. wind. Oh, breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. At this point, all the bones had come together. Their muscles had covered their body. Their organs had developed. The skin was on them, but they were still dead. And so he looked, God looked at the man of God, the, the, the prophet, and he said, prophesy to the wind. First time he said, prophesy to the bones. Now he said, prophesy to the wind. Everybody say the wind. The Hebrew word for wind here is the word ruah. Everybody say ruah. It's kind of fun to say. Ruah. That same Hebrew word is the word for spirit. The spirit of God is the ruah of God. Prophesy to the spirit and tell the spirit, thus saith the Lord God, come and breathe upon them that they may live. So God, I've already preached to them. I prophesied the word to them. So spirit of God, come into this place. Come into this room, Spirit. Ha. God, walk down that pew. Spirit of the Lord, walk down that pew where that person has been dry for a long time. Spirit of the Lord, walk down these aisles and come around this altar. Spirit of the Lord, move on my left and on my right. God, from the front to the back, move, Lord, on somebody that's dry. Spirit of the Lord, I prophesied to the people. Now I'm asking you, I'm prophesying to the wind. Holy Ghost, come down into this place and touch somebody right now with the Holy Ghost. God, as they yield themselves to you. Oh, Holy Ghost, touch somebody. Give them hope where they haven't had hope for a long time. Give them peace where they haven't had peace. Give them life where they haven't had life. Come on, Holy Ghost, move in Bethlehem this morning. Do I have anybody that's going to help me prophesy to the wind? Come on, God. Come on, God. And renew somebody in the spirit today. Stand with me all over this place and lift your hands to heaven. So I prophesied as he commanded, and breath came into them, and they lived. And they stood on their feet. Amen. I want you to lift your hands all over this place, and I want you to ask the Holy Ghost to touch you. Spirit, Spirit of God, touch me with a fresh touch. Spirit of God, touch me with the fresh anointing today. Oh, Spirit of the Lord, breathe on me. Come on, with your hands lifted and your heart open to God, breathe on me, Holy Ghost. Breathe on me, wind of God. Breathe on me, God. Anybody need a fresh anointing? Come on, we're going to take some time right here, just for a moment. But I want you to ask God, Lord, touch me with a fresh touch of your spirit. 
whether you've been in church your whole life or this is your first service. If you've been around it yeah, forever, this is the first time you've been exposed to what we're doing here. I want you to just say, Holy Ghost, touch me today. Breathe on me, Spirit of the Lord. Come on, if the Holy Ghost touches you, you ought to just open your mouth and begin to pray. You ought to just let the Holy Ghost flow out of you if He touches you. Whether it's your first time or your thousandth time, you ought to open your mouth and just let the Holy Ghost speak through your mouth. Come on. Oh, Jesus. There's one more, one more step to survive in the dry valley, but I'm not ready to preach it yet because the Holy Ghost is trying to touch somebody right now. Anybody hungry for a fresh touch, a fresh anointing? By coming to this altar right now, you're not admitting to some terrible sin. You're just saying, God, I want your breath, your spirit to breathe on me. Breath of God, touch me one more time. I'm giving you a moment. Don't be shy. Don't be afraid. But if the Holy Ghost is dealing with you, go ahead and yield to it because there's one more step. I've done my part. I preach to you. The Spirit is doing its part. It's here. But the third step to surviving a dry valley is you have to turn around. You have to change your direction. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. Man, I feel the presence of the Lord here. I feel a renewing wind of the Spirit. Oh, as your hands are lifted and you're talking to God right now. How do I turn around? Here's how you turn around. God, I'm coming back. I repent for anything I've done that's separated me from you. I repent for anything I've done that's led me down a dry valley. God, I'm coming back and I yield myself to the move of the Spirit. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, I want to hear your voices pray. I think you, I need our church folks to pray loud enough that somebody else can feel comfortable in reaching to God in desperation. You ought to look around the altar and find somebody to pray with to help them. Just to be with them and tell them you're not in your valley by yourself. You're not alone. Oh, come on, let the Holy Ghost, let the wind blow. Go ahead and let the Spirit blow in this place. Oh, you dry bones, hear the word of the Lord.
Oh, come on. It's time to reach out to him. There's some destinies being changed in the altar today. somebody to pray with the spirit of the Lord's moving here there's a fresh anointing of the Holy Ghost amen it's not only in the altar but it's all over this place today I've come to tell somebody you don't have to die in your valley somebody ought to be baptized in Jesus name today you ought to throw your hands up and say God I want to be baptized with the Holy Ghost I want to be rebaptized with the Holy Ghost. I want your spirit to move here. Oh, hallelujah. That's right. Lift your voice and pray. I want to survive my valley. minister one to another. Let the Holy Ghost speak through you. Let the Spirit of the Lord move through you. Oh, let the Spirit of the Lord move. Hallelujah, hallelujah. 
Come on, don't rush what God's doing for you.
to those dry places in our life. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place this morning, moving and touching, flowing and reaching those deep, dry, and dark places in our lives. If you're still praying, you can pray as long as you like.